Good morning, guys. Texas Slim here, Texas Slim's Vision. I'm in Austin, Texas at TFTC Studios. Thank you, everybody at TFTC Studios, Marty Carr, Parker, especially uh, giving Bitcoiners access to spread our messages uh, whenever we're in certain cities uh, doing certain things, building nodes. And today I have tracked down Captain Sid. Uh, he's riding his Harley across the United States and he's going through all kinds of beautiful country, meeting excellent uh bitcoiners he's uh having a warm welcome everywhere he goes and i was able to track him down today he is in columbus ohio good morning sid good morning slim happy to be here <laughs> good hey we finally made this happen right <laughs> yeah takes time when i'm riding on a bike going to meetups but it well, you're kind of hard to that. track down. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty busy, but I, I try to pay attention to you ever since we kind of met, you know, Michael with Oshi met you in uh, Florida down in Miami. And then that's where you and I started talking and uh, we made it back. To, I made it back to Texas and then you left. Was it Tampa? Is that where you got your motorcycle? Yeah, I got the motorcycle in Tampa, took it to the conference. Then I spent a night in Tampa after the conference and then rode all the way to Dallas. I did Miami to Dallas in five days. Would not recommend that on a motorcycle. It's brutal, <laughs> but I made it. You know, it's, there you it was go. It trial by fire to start the trip. Well, let's let's go in there for everybody that doesn't know Sid and what he's accomplishing and what he's doing. Let's get a get uh, a good bio, kind of a profile. You know, who is Sid? What are you trying to accomplish? And, you know, where are we now? And then we can kind of go into an overall conversation. Yeah, so I guess I'm a class of 2016, 2017 Bitcoiner. Took about two years to go around the shitcoin horseshoe and come back to Bitcoin, but I've been really going down the rabbit hole earnestly since maybe mid 2019, really trying to understand how the system works and how it can affect society. So uh, I left the US in 2019, I was born and raised outside Chicago, went to school on the East Coast, and then lived in Manhattan for three years. And the middle of 20, well, late 2018, I kind of decided I don't want to live in the US anymore. I want to try living abroad. I had a remote job. So I picked up in the middle of 2019 and moved to Thailand and have been there ever since up until a couple months ago. While I was in Thailand, I fell in love with riding motorcycles. I was always a big car guy, but once I got on a motorcycle and twisted the throttle, it's like, this is a thousand times better than a car could ever be. So fell in love with riding motorcycles and I wanted to come back and do something in the US, come see friends and family and also kind of make the Bitcoin Twitter world that I had been just seeing through the internet real and meet these characters that I had talked to online and whatnot. So I thought, why not do a motorcycle road trip and connect some of those dots, meet those people, go to the growing number of meetups. I think the last two years, it's, it's been beautiful to me to see the grassroots adoption of Bitcoin. That's what most excited me when I first got into the whole space is not the you know, corporate partnerships and whatnot. It's the grassroots adoption of Bitcoin, how people discover this thing, learn about it and adopt it on their own time. And meetups to me are the manifestation of that of people all over the country and often in these smaller in-between cities. Like I was in Athens, Ohio last night and someone described the Midwest as flyover states because people from the coast just fly over. They never really stop in a place like Athens or Columbus and whatnot. And driving through here, I'm getting to get a feel for 
the people that live here and the culture that's here and uh, the grassroots Bitcoin adoption that's happening in these cities. Yeah, I think that's a good thing to kind of point out. I was, you know, I drove, I was up in the top of Texas yesterday. I drove 500 miles to get to Austin and I do that pretty often. And, you know, I go through all the flyover states. I've done it all my life. Uh, that's where I was raised. But one thing, um, Mike, uh, Mike Hobart, of course, on Twitter, he brought up a good point yesterday. He goes, you're kind of bringing, uh, um, we were talking about what you're doing, of course, riding your motorcycle across what I'm going to try to accomplish here this summer. And it's like you're bringing kind of a computer science networking aspect in real time to doing kind of like boots on the ground, going to these other communities and basically meeting the people that are actually doing the grassroots, you know, uh, work, the, you know, the work on the ground, the networking, the, the personal connections that you're making. I think that as a society as a whole, we've lost. There's a division of interpersonal communication. Uh, it's caused by the digital world in which we live in. And, you know, everything that I've always talked about is let's, let's take a step back. Let's understand, you know, who we are. Let's go shake some hands and let's meet some people. In you know, my thing, it's, you know, shake a rancher's hand. And then here you are, you're going across the United States. You flew all the way from Chiang Mai, Thailand, one of my favorite places in the world. And you're going out and you're building community in a lot of ways that you don't even know, but you feel it because you're, you're actually living it. Let's talk about you starting in Florida and, and how you approach this. How do you approach getting on a Harley and driving and, and let's, let's, let's do a case study here how do you go out and meet these people how do you network yourself into these bitcoin meetups across you know from columbus where you are from nashville to chattanooga to charlotte to the carolinas you know in everywhere all the flyover states how are you coordinating your actions and your message and what are you getting out of that right now yeah, so I guess I'll I'll go one step back to the planning. When I was still in Thailand, I started okay. thinking about the seed of this idea. And it kind of went through a few phases. At first, I thought, I'm just going to buy the cheapest bike I can get, and I'm going to do it completely self-funded and camp the whole way and just kind of make it happen all by myself, which is still kind of what I'm doing. But uh, I'll get to that. Then I thought, you know what, I could get companies involved with this and make it a big production, make this huge thing. And I put out, put together a budget and whatnot. I talked to people about what might this look like, how much might it cost. Then when I actually started pitching sponsors, I realized, oh, I don't know if I can ask for the, as much money as I'm asking for. So I went camping in Thailand one night and I came out of the woods that morning. I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, it, it was really like stressing me out at that point to try and raise all this money. How am I going to do this? And I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm getting I'm the tail getting wagged by my own project. And I want this to be, you know, a fun grassroots, real authentic thing. I don't want this to be something where I raise a ton of money and then I'm just working for somebody for the whole trip. So when I came out of the woods that morning, I thought I'm going to do this with sponsors because sponsors will help me access more people. They'll introduce me to people. They'll be able to push me and challenge me in new ways that I probably wouldn't if I was just on my own but I'm going to work with companies that I respect right. and with people I like. And if no one wants to work with me, then I'll do it myself. But it would be nice to have, you know, some companies work with me or some people I respect in the Bitcoin space. So that's how I ended up kind of working with Swan and Unchained, Bitcoin Magazine, Upstream Data, just by reaching out to them and 
talking to them about the vision I had for connecting the dots and all these meetups and bringing more light to the growing meetup scene. Then as far as like getting introduced to meetup organizers, a lot of it was the month before just hustling on Twitter and Telegram and finding out where all the meetups are, messaging everyone, introducing myself, introducing the concept and saying like, I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be in your city you know, during this month, just a heads up. And then as I get closer, I'm pinging those people again, like, hey, I, I'm going to be here these days. Can we put together something? And I was a little worried at first that I would have to link up my my trip with their official dates, which I did that with Texas because you know the bit devs is not going to create a new bit devs just because I'm in town or the Houston meetup that's huge and once a month, they're not going to do a one-off thing. But the smaller meetups they've been super open to doing one-off things, which has been incredible. I was not expecting that. I thought I would have to hit every meetup's official date, which makes the routing really difficult. So I've just been messaging them saying, hey, I'm coming into town. Can we put together something, even if it's just a casual meetup at a bar that you put on the meetup page and say, you know, if there's five people there, I don't care. I went to a Chattanooga meetup and there were three people and it was a great meetup. I had a really good time. One guy brought his son and we talked to his 10 year old son about Bitcoin. The guy knows more. That kid knows more than, you know, most adults about Bitcoin. So I don't care how many people show up. I'm just happy to stop in a city and talk to people about Bitcoin. That's a good point. I mean, as far as, you know, the numbers game, you know, in I've learned within Twitter, within Bitcoin, you know, it's not a numbers game here. You know, this is this is about a, a value game here. This is a value for value exchange in understanding and education. And, you know, as far as going out there in 300 people to three people, you know, they're all rewarding. You know, it's one person at a time. It's one understanding at a time. And in especially Especially right now, the education for children, it's one child at a time. And the only way you're going to get there is really have these conversations. Whenever you and I first met, I mean, our conversation flowed because we had something to relate to beyond Bitcoin, of course. It was motorcycles. It was Thailand. And one thing that I really respected about you is that you're just doing it. A lot of times we get stuck in a hamster wheel of overanalyzing, you know, what we want to do as people, as Bitcoiners. And sometimes we don't have all the guidance that we want. And one thing that I've learned is you're just going to have to go out there and do it. It's not something that you can overthink. It is more about having faith in what you believe in as far as Bitcoin being, you know, the new store of value, the, the base, base money layer that it is going to become. And one thing that is very important for people to understand right now in the Bitcoin space, the the best way to grow community is in person and how you can leverage whatever you're trying to accomplish as an individual in the Bitcoin space. You need to be proud of that and you need to go ahead and, you know, move strong on that. Um, Riding a motorcycle across, you know, the United States is taxing. Uh, You've rode it across Thailand. I've rode one across Thailand. I've rode one across the United States as well. Uh, just like you're doing and 
by doing that, you get a little fortitude. Uh, you, you present a little fortitude and you, you take a step back and you, you're able to reflect. And I believe you and I had a conversation, several that's that's taken place ever since you came to Kerrville. You came to the conference in Kerrville. We definitely met up in Austin as well. And, you know, we're going to try to meet in Colorado, hopefully in July, but we might meet in between there, you know, before then. Um, whenever you are riding your motorcycle and you're looking at what you're accomplishing, what is one thing that you're reflecting on that is is making you better right now, better Bitcoiner, a better man, a bit better sovereign individual? What are you seeing? I mean, to your point about just going out and doing it, I think this trip continuously has pushed me to stop always trying to analyze and just take a few steps forward and do a little bit every day. Cause I can't, you know, I don't have the energy when I'm riding a bike every day to sit down at a computer for eight, 10 hours and get a bunch of stuff done. I have to chip away at it slowly. And when I have the energy to do something to do it. And so that has definitely like, it has not come naturally to me through my life. Like the whole, just go out and do it. I'm very much an overanalyzer. My past is littered with half completed projects that I spent a ton of time on and then got burnt out and stopped working on them. And this trip, part of it is, you know, I, I'm on the road, I'm doing it publicly. I can't just burn out and stop. I got to keep going. I have sponsors behind me that are believing this vision. So I have to keep moving forward every day, but that's not something that really came naturally to me. A friend of mine actually gave me really good advice a long time ago that, that I applied to a different project that I worked on a, a website that I wrote. Uh, he's, I kind of presented the idea for this website to him and he said, don't just start working on it and get really into it. Spend 30 minutes every day on that project, just 30 minutes. And some 30 minutes will be a total slog and awful and you'll have a timer and when it's over, you're done for that day, but you did your 30 minutes. And some days you'll work for five hours on it and you won't even know because you get super into it. But once you hit 30 minutes, don't feel like I have to do more today. I can do it you know, in the future and just start slowly getting into it. And I did that with this project too, with this whole motorcycle ride and I'm doing it now. I try to spend you know, 30 minutes sitting down writing about the trip or doing a little bit of chores or errands or reaching out on Twitter or whatever to make sure that the next day gets better and better and better. And we keep this ball rolling. Yeah. It's, we talk about low time preference and whenever you are forced to kind of take a step back and, you know, have some accountability to your, your mission or your, you know, what you're trying to accomplish, it, it's a different pace. And, you know, as I move forward with the beef initiative, I can't be in front of a computer all the time. Sometimes my most effective days as far as communication is it is that 30 minute to an hour window to where, you know, that's all I'm going to accomplish. That's my destination of the day. And then I can go out there and do some other things that actually helps me project me forward, you know, with what I'm accomplishing right now, you know, a lot of things are coming at me at once and I'm, I'm using you right now. I'm vicariously living through you (laughs) 
at this point in time and I'm thinking about what is Sid thinking about today? You know, he's on this four hour trip like you're going to be heading to Detroit, I think, next. And so you're, you've got four to five hours that you're going to be riding. Whenever you have that moving forward in your life in anything, you have that accountability, you have the destination. And if you can do that destination every day, therefore, you, you, that's how you basically one step at a time, the cliche after cliche that we can use here. Mm-hmm. But what I find out is that you get one step closer to actually who you are and, and what you're really wanting to accomplish. And then with that, once you have that empowerment of understanding, then that actually leads into a new layer that you get to step up on as you've accomplished these small steps. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It all builds, it all builds on each other. So I'm thinking through that now, like what, what is this trip kind of building towards? People are asking me, what are you going to do after this trip? And it's kind of a funny question because I never thought about it. Right. That's not how I'm thinking about this trip. And the magic of this trip to me is in the unexpected. I love that. I don't know where this is going to lead. When I wake up, I don't really know. I have, you know, an appointment or two or a meetup or something, but the rest of the day, I don't know what's going to happen. And that's the fun part of it for me is the unexpected things that, that pop up. So I don't know where this is going to go, but I know that I'm building relationships. I'm, seeing this beautiful grassroots thing grow and that's going to take me places no matter what. So I'm, I'm not too concerned about what I'm going to do, but I don't have a roadmap for like this trip is going to lead to this thing. And then I'm going to get that job and do this thing. Like that's just not, it's yeah. not how I want to do this trip. That's not what's like really enjoyable to me about life. No, I agree 100%. And as far as visualizing, let's visualize it out for everybody. Okay, you, let's let's talk about all the meetups you've gone through. Let's let's just uh, pinpoint everything that you've done. Let's connect some dots and paint a picture, and then we can talk about you know your trips in between and what you've seen. Yeah. So I started at the Bitcoin conference. I left there like on the Monday after and basically just blasted to Texas because I knew there's Austin BitDevs and the Houston meetup, which are two massive Bitcoin meetups, like 150, 200 people. So I wanted to make sure that I hit those and kind of start with those because I knew there'd be a lot of Bitcoiners there and a lot of chatter and a lot of people to meet and to learn about the rest of the meetup scene around the country. So I went to Dallas, Austin, Houston first, and then also out to Kerrville while I was in Austin to go to Beef Initiative Conference, which is like very unexpected. I, I didn't plan that until during the Bitcoin conference or like right after it, I bought my ticket because I didn't even know about it. Right. Uh, but when I heard, you know, this is going to bring together cattle ranchers and Bitcoiners, I was like, sold, I'm going. Because one of the most interesting things to me about Bitcoin is how people come from different angles to it and people will you know, like a cattle rancher, I think, and we realized this at the, at that conference, there's like 90% value agreement in how you want to live your life between a cattle rancher and a Bitcoiner, despite them coming from completely different backgrounds. Like I've never roped a steer in my life. I lived in a big city and worked in tall glass and steel buildings, just as far as can be from where my food is produced and where the cattle are. So 
to be able to talk to a cattle rancher and vibe with them and understand like we understand each other on a deeper level is really interesting. And I love seeing that like different communities coming into Bitcoin that are already ready for it really and ready to understand it, but just for some reason or another have never looked at it or have brushed it off. So Kerrville was cool. Um, then after Kerrville, I went to Houston, went to the Houston meetup, back up to Dallas, and then I kind of went across Arkansas and Tennessee for a couple of days, just camping and riding, no meetups during that point. And then went to Nashville, uh, did some informal meetups. I was not able to go to the main Nashville meetup, unfortunately, but did some smaller informal meetups with people there. Then I kind of bounced around the South. There was like six days where I had meetup after meetup every day. So I went from Nashville, Huntsville, Alabama, amazing city. I had like no expectations about what it would be like, but that is a sleeper in terms of Bitcoin. And there's a lot of very bright, very technical people there. Uh, it's a great city. And Justin, who organizes that meetup, is incredible, has big plans for for how he wants to grow Huntsville. So that was good. Chattanooga was really good, very small meetup, but that's how they start. So very interesting place, beautiful, small city. Then where did I go? Up to Asheville, North Carolina, which is gorgeous, like nestled in mountains. Then to Charlotte, had a meetup in Charlotte that was like quite a production. That's an, another interesting meetup. They, the organizers there, the Parrish family, have done a lot to bring people in and to educate people about Bitcoin, which I really respect. They're trying to, to help people understand why Bitcoin and why Bitcoin only and to welcome in new people and kind of make it this fun production that everyone wants to come to. And then uh, Raleigh, which is very tight knit, close group of hardcore Bitcoiners. And then from Raleigh went uh, up to Columbus where I had a dinner last night here with like 12 people uh, and in between those two, I spent about four days in between Raleigh and Columbus and kind of went to just some small towns, some small American towns in the flyover states, really. Went to Mount Airy, North Carolina, where the Andy Griffith show is based, where Andy Griffith, the actor, grew up. That was a fascinating day. Ended up going on a motorcycle trip with a guy that I met at the barbershop. Just had an incredible morning there. Went to Mount Beckley. West Virginia, learned a lot about the coal industry there and you know, how coal was created, how it's mined. So glad I'm not a coal miner. That is a brutal, <laughs> brutal job. Uh, but you know, it powers everything you see around us. And, and I learned a lot about how coal built a lot of the things that we have today, you know, for, for better or for worse, and whether we should not use it in the future or use it, it did build a, a lot of the civilization that we have today. So it's really cool to kind of see how that was done and and honor that profession. And now I'm here in Columbus, going to go across the Midwest for about a month, six weeks. I'll be all up and down through Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, Minnesota, Kansas, and then end up in Colorado. Uh, and that'll be kind of the end of the second leg of the trip. And then I'll go from Denver down through the Southwest and end up in LA and then have probably a big party in LA with Swan and then go North to San Francisco where my parents are living now and, and drop off the bike and figure out what's next after the trip. Right. 
That's a lot to unpack. I was, I was in my mind. I was, I was putting all these little dots together. And one thing that I wanted to go back to for sure was Kerrville. Going into Kerrville, we didn't know exactly what we were going to accomplish. I, I knew what I wanted to accomplish. I wanted the the realization and the clar- clarity of that moment where people start saying. Wow, a Bitcoiner thinks like a rancher. A rancher thinks like a Bitcoiner. Um, we need to orange pill ranchers, and we need to ranch pill Bitcoiners because they have this—you know—this yearning that's it's all under. It's there. It, it it comes from you know our past heritage. It comes from past traditions. Uh, we're trying to project it forward in a decentralized way that has a new store of value for you know our legacies. And that was one of the big aha moments of the conference that I received. You know from many people as far as feedback that they were they were you know amazed that we were all so um so in tune with each other and we never even we had old school ranchers there we had single mothers at the conference every demographic you know from every demographic of bitcoin or every demographic of uh, of ranchers and so that was that was a good moment. And it's good to hear you say that because, you know, definitely you're you're very intentional right now. So that type of feedback that we do get, I want everybody else to understand that this is why we're having these conferences. It really, truly is about awareness and education and how we're going to tie everything together with a, a new decentralized form of food, which starts with pure animal protein and an American rancher. Uh, we'll go back to that. Um, as far as your trip, before we started recording, one thing that I, I, I really want to uh, people to understand is you talked about the Smoky Mountains and the Appalachians, and it's like one of my favorite places in the world as well. And you, you brought up that you reminds you of northern Thailand, the mountains in northern Thailand. Let's go through the, the Smoky Mountain part of this. And, and what did you see and what did you like the most? Yeah, I mean, this, the Smoky Mountains are just a lot of thin two-lane state highways carving through rolling hills. And I think part of my excitement it probably wouldn't have been as high if the rest of the trip hadn't been so flat, going from <laughs> Florida along the Gulf Coast through Texas. Like, you have beautiful scenery, and it changes, and it's very interesting, but it's very flat and straight roads. And once I got into the Smoky Mountains, it's just tons of curves. And I did uh, the Tale of the Dragon, which is this famous road that's 318 curves in 11 miles. And I mean, they have like a dragon statue at the end of it. There's stickers and patches that you can buy a patch that says the year that you did the Tale of the Dragon. And it's like a legendary place for, for motorcycle riders. And at both ends, there are motels for motorcycles and big parking lots full of bikes. And it was funny while I was riding that, I thought this is such big fanfare for this road, but this is like a normal drive in Northern Thailand. Anywhere I would go outside of Chiang Mai would be yeah. like this road, very windy, small. So it was cool. I felt like I was back home in Thailand and enjoying myself on the back roads. Uh, so the Smokies were, were really incredible and the Appalachians as well were breathtaking and I wasn't really expecting that I'm really looking forward to the Rockies driven through the Rockies I never I don't think I've ever driven across the Appalachian Mountains so I didn't really know what I was going to see but it's just a stunning place to ride and a lot of really nice little small towns like Mount Area is a great example I posted a thread about this on Twitter it felt like the small town that I saw on TV 
in the Andy Griffith show and in a lot of like older American shows, this idyllic, peaceful, white picket fence, small town with a tight community and whatnot. And it doesn't feel like that really exists in a lot of ways in America anymore in a lot of places because a lot of small towns feels like have just been sucked dry and there's nothing really left there. And there's a Walmart and that's it. And there's not much downtown and whatnot. And I think Mount Airy's probably survived because of the Andy Griffith connection and the tourism. A lot of people walking around there are tourists from the area, but it still has this tight vibe. I went to breakfast there at like seven in the morning and people were talking between tables and all knew each other and all were asking about families and whatnot. So it was really cool to see that because you go to a diner in New York and people are like trying to avoid looking at each other. It's just a totally different attitude, I think, in that kind of small town America that I've been passing through. And and that's what I, I've been trying from the beginning to, you know, let everybody know that what you're doing is you're looking over your shoulder and you're looking at the past a little bit and you're seeing how where we came from, from the coal mining, you know, to some heritage of uh, small towns and what we need to remember as Bitcoiners. You know, a lot of a lot of Bitcoiners are yearning, you know, they're yearning for uh, maybe land ownership. They're learning and yearning to get out of the big cities. I don't think people really truly understand the opportunity that is there right now in the Bitcoin space to if you if you do want to reinvent, if you if you want to take your innovation into a small community, the beauty of this country is there waiting for you. There's a heritage that's been uh, presented to you that you can uh, covet and you can actually honor and that you can move forward with. And it takes a little creativity. It takes a little, uh, uh, you know, engineering your own suffering. So, you you know, it doesn't be uh, it's not engineered upon yourself. But going through all these small communities and seeing, you know, the United States, you know, it's on the road, Jack Kerouac, whatever you want to call it. It's 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 a great American road trip. And I think that we've all forgotten what the great American road trip is. You know, I've done Route 66 and, you know, it, Route 66 goes through a city where I close to where I grew up with. So I've always been fascinated with Route 66, taking it from Chicago all the way out to California. And what I think now within the Bitcoin space is being able to look at how we can decentralize our basically our travels. One way to do it is through a road trip and how we can go out there and meet these communities and we can get a taste of the new opportunities that nobody's really focusing on right now because they are driving people out of the big cities. I mean, out of the small towns into the big cities. And by, by knowing that, it's there's there's a place for everybody to kind of go out there and be that sovereign Bitcoiner right now. You've, uh, you know, you've what you're doing right now is it is making me want to ride on your coattails. Um, you know, I've been talking with a little bit of the Tennessee folk. I've got some friends. You went out there and met Charles Mayfield with uh, Faro.life, and he does, mm-hmm. you know, skincare products out of Hoglard, right? And he he's out there in Eastern Tennessee. Uh, I've been talking with uh, Matt O'Dell, and I'm going to be up in Nashville June 8 for their Bitcoin meetup that they're having in. Uh, Nashville and there's a new URL for that everybody and if you want to throw that up Logan it's uh, it's um, I believe it's nashbitcoin.com and I'll double check that on my phone here a little bit but it's nashbitcoin.com and this is what it is this is node building through communities and it's node building through somebody that's putting their boots on the ground just like uh, you are 
And as far as what I see whenever you're done with this trip is that, let me make sure that's the right URL. Nash Bitcoiners. Yeah, NashBitcoiners.com. What I see is that you're going to be able to reflect on this trip and you're going to be able to educate with it. That's what everything that I'm doing right now that I accomplish that propels me forward with me as a sovereign individual is that I want to educate. And so what I'm going to do is 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 we're going to release a webinar series and it's going to be Bitcoin education for the North American rancher. And we're going to be announcing that this next week. And so I'm going to go up to Nashville and I'm going to start following in your footsteps. And I want to meet everybody that you have met, if possible. That way we create a cycle of people coming through, learning from a Bitcoiner that's gone out and done something, building the message even stronger, taking what the, you, your education that you're going to give to me and fulfilling a little bit you know, more with what I'm trying to accomplish within the beef initiative bringing ranchers and bitcoiners together you know as i said bitcoiners orange pilling ranchers ranchers ranch pilling bitcoiners this is the best way to do it it's boots on the ground it's every community that we can hit it's every individual that's in the bitcoin space that we can get it's the children that we can educate it's the mothers it's the fathers and we do this and as far as whenever this is done i can't wait to see what you come up with as far as how you're going to tell this story have you had any thoughts about, you know, book? Um, I don't know. What are you thinking? Yeah. I mean, I've, as far as thoughts, I've had a lot of them. I mean, I'm doing a lot of interviews throughout this process, just with meetup organizers, people at meetups with you slam. We did an interview, just interesting Bitcoiners. When I have time to sit down and have like a long form interview, I'll record something. And I'm sending all of that content to Swan Bitcoin and the Swan Studios team is going to create something out of that, probably some sort of documentary or docu-series about the trip, kind of stitching together those interviews and just videos I'm taking as I'm on the ride about the ride, about the different small towns I'm going to and things that I'm seeing and Bitcoin culture and whatnot. So that will probably be coming out this summer and into the fall. Uh, as far as like a book or articles, I mean, I'm probably going to be writing some articles. I have an article idea that I've had for a few weeks now and just haven't really had the time to sit down and, and write it properly. But I, I want to write a little bit. And after the trip, we'll see. I, I, I think I'll want to do something, whether that's a book or podcasts or I'm not really sure. But I want to create something. I want to amplify what this experience was partially just to help myself to kind of download it all and make sense of everything that I've seen and, and done on this trip and help people see what this trip was all about and highlight that grassroots community. Cause that to me is what is so beautiful about Bitcoin is people understanding it and picking up on it and using it for something that they deem valuable in their own lives. Um, when I first got into Bitcoin, one of the things that annoyed me about the whole crypto space is it felt very artificial. People are trading these things to try and make dollars. And I struggled to find who are the people who are really finding real use cases, real 
value in this thing other than trading it. And that really, I think a lot of people talk about, oh, what is the use case? But that really bothered me. Like I, I almost left the whole space and left Bitcoin because I was like, I can't figure out what it is. And I had a couple aha moments that really lit me up to that, like remittances and understanding, you know, how this can, when I moved to Thailand, understanding how this can break down barriers between countries and realizing a lot of the, like banking laws and rules are very arbitrary and obtuse and, and not transparent. And I didn't understand how they work. No one will give me an answer. You just get transactions shut down because you're not in the right jurisdiction or whatever. They won't give you an answer why. So I had a couple of those experiences. Also sitting down with Steve Barber in early 2020 and learning about how uh, oil drillers who are finding natural gas are mining Bitcoin, even though when they understand it, they hate it because they're very tied to the financial industry and they understand that Bitcoin is a threat to fiat money and whatnot, at least some of them do. And they still are mining Bitcoin. So it's one of those things like Bitcoin is for your enemies too. Like they, because they have to use it once they find out we're flaring this natural gas and we could be making money off of it, whether that we're selling the Bitcoin immediately or keeping it, we have to do that. We can't not do it. So I had a couple of those experiences that were like, okay, this, this is a real thing that will grow in a very organic way because it has real value to people. And it's just beautiful to see that. And I want to amplify that to people because I think the mainstream narrative is just too much around how this is gambling, some casino, some Ponzi scheme, but there are real valuable use cases out there that nothing else even comes close to solving. So I'm trying to highlight that you know, normal people around the country are discovering these use cases. There are literally, I, I made the joke about plumber in Ohio, not joke, but example of like, I want to highlight the blue collar worker in you know some random flyover state that found value in Bitcoin for whatever reason and highlight their story so that the plumber in Oregon is like, huh, I have that same background. Why is he interested in this thing? I thought it was for financiers and scammers I came to Columbus last night and I found out the organizer of the Columbus meetup runs a plumbing company. So literally there's my plumber from Ohio and, and he got kind of his beginning of his orange pilling journey was in 2008, watching the financial crisis and getting stuck with a huge bag of debt in his company and thinking, how did I end up with a hot potato? How does this system screw people over so badly? And he went down the rabbit hole and eventually ended up, finding Bitcoin, you know, a few years ago. So it was really, really interesting. I'm hoping that people hear those stories and realize this is for, for me too. this, you know, solves real problems in the world. I mean, I love it. The use cases are out there waiting to be discovered by us, the people that go out there. I mean, we're explorers, right? We're adventuresome. Uh, this is what we have to do. Modern day, you know, tapping into, you know, new discoveries. Um, I'm having a lot of discussions right now, you, you know, wrapped around mining, uh, you know, natural gas blow off, you know, everything that, you know, is that you've seen and you just brought up, it, it's out there. People are doing this already. And the amount of um, awareness that is coming to the Bitcoin space and the amount of innovation that is happening that I don't think a lot of people understand how far it's actually already evolving. And with that 
it is our responsibility to go out there and tell these stories. I'm I'm a storyteller the year of 2022. That's what I want to be. I want to be a storyteller. I want to be a storyteller to the rancher. I want to be a storyteller to the the landowner that has the natural gas blow off. I want to tell you know tell a story of the the lady that has 384 acres and she has a big barn that she she she's wondering if she needs to uh, you know run a couple of S9s in her barn because there's no reason she wouldn't you know why not let's just try it out there's every use case that we need to uncover because that's part of innovation it's always out of the darkness comes the light as far as awareness understanding and progression forward and whenever you can have that type of mindset all i see is adventure all i see is exploring all i see is meeting new friends all I see is progressing the legacy of who I am to my son. There's so many things that we can do as individuals. And what we have to do is we have to yearn to tell these use cases. We have to tie the dots together. We have to build the nodes of understanding and then the nodes of communication that leads to basically, you know, sound money, sound health, sound communications for a sound future. Um, within the, the mining space and the education that I'm going to be bringing the rancher, we're going to start off with the why of Bitcoin, of course. Really start educating from the ground up. That's what the rancher needs to understand. That's what the animal producer, the agricultural world needs to understand is the why. Once we understand the why, that evolves into every use case of Bitcoin. One thing that I'll be bringing into, especially the July conference in Colorado, the Colorado Beef Initiative Conference in Crawford, Colorado with Jason Rick of Rick branches is that we are going to really go down deep with the mining uh, rabbit hole, Bitcoin mining. They're doing it all the way from, you know, all the way up to Wyoming, all the way down to Texas. There's a big, uh, you know, they're having a big barbecue in uh, Rockdale, Texas this weekend. There's, there's things that people are not really understanding in the Bitcoin space that this innovation is moving forward. And I see so much that I have to become more of a media person right now. And as you're doing today you and i are doing this we're, we're giving people feedback we're creating input into their lives and so they can start making decisions by you and i talking the several times that we have in kerrville austin on the phone uh down at uh the park stacy park at travis heights whenever we did that recording one thing that you gave me the idea and it just started happening it, it was out of the blue nobody's told me how to do this but i have a lot of experience of road tripping i'm going to ride on your coattails and I'm gonna learn from you and I'm gonna try to do more. I'm gonna go from Texas to Tennessee and I want to go all the way from Tennessee to where anybody will have me and take me from a rancher to a Bitcoiner. I'm gonna go out there and bridge these gaps of communication, of understanding, of innovation that's going on. So whenever I head to Tennessee, before I get to Nashville, I'm going to a place called Farmington, Missouri. And we've got a couple of Bitcoiners and a couple of people that have tied into me for about three months and they're changing their community. They're bringing Bitcoin to every uh, their orange pilling. They're working with Michael with Oshi. They're they're now delivering fresh raw milk. They're uh, looking at building a processing plant and getting it up and running, something that had been mothballed. They're getting decentralized beef supplied to their community as well. It's about 60,000 people in this county. So I'm going to go there. They're having a three day conference. It's not a Bitcoin conference. It's more of a whole food, you know, decentralized food, local community conference. 
payments. Well, we're going to bring in Bitcoin. We're going to bring in Oshi. We're going to bring in a lot of things this community doesn't even understand. Once I do that, we're going to video log it. We're going to report back to the community. And then here I, I'm going off to Nashville. Then I'm going to follow your coattails in Nashville. And I'm going to follow. I'm going to go down to Chattanooga. I'm going to go all the way out to eastern Tennessee. I've got already an invitation from a couple of Bitcoiners. They have 60 acres of land on the border of Tennessee and uh, Georgia. And it's right next to a Huasi uh, River, which is basically in the Cherokee Nation. So they've invited me to come out to their land. I'm going to bring that to everybody saying this is some Bitcoin corners that bought 60 acres of land they had to go out there and they had to look for the land but now they are landowners and they're going to buy on the land they're going to basically you know do regenerative farming and ranching there's these stories out there that everybody needs to hear and it's not going to be done for a google search it's not going to be done for through bitcoin twitter for the most part we're going to bring it on to bitcoin twitter but it's actually how can we broadcast everything that we're finding to the bitcoin world right now and into the people that don't understand bitcoin and so i'm going to build on what you're building and then i hopefully somebody will come behind me and build on it and from july june 4th all the way to colorado i want to be on the road in meeting bitcoiners and ranchers and building that gap and make it like the the great american road trip that you're going out there you're doing recon for me so i really do appreciate that <laughs> yeah yeah i got some some stuff to share with you on that road i as you were saying that, I remembered part of the my experiment with that muffler cooking was yes. getting a piece of beef at a meat market that I just saw on the side of the road in Tennessee. So I'll send you the name of that that market because I tried to pay in Bitcoin and I explained it a little bit. I talked about the beef initiative a little bit and they were kind of like, well, you know, if the payment terminal can take it, then we can take it. But I didn't have the time <laughs> to sit there and, and they were clearly kind of like, all right, we don't really understand this. But I got an email and I sent them some resources. So if you rocked up there and bought some beef, I'm sure they would be like, well, the second person that came to this small town is talking about Bitcoin. Maybe we should listen. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm definitely going. And we'll come back to the muffler in, the, in, the, in your, your new way of cooking a good pure animal protein on your <laughs> manifold or muffler. But one thing you bring up is that you didn't have probably enough information to share them on how to kind of get into the Bitcoin space, the education of it. And that's what we have mm -hmm. to do. We have to do this as Bitcoiners. So I've been working for about six months now to bring this formal education to the American ranchers. So once I have that, everybody's going to have a link that they can send anybody they want to basically, hey, this is where you start. This is directly focused on you and your legacy and everything you need to know. Go at your own pace. This is not, you know, it's not, a, you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to pay $850 for it. You don't have to pay anything. This is free from the Bitcoin community. It's value for value exchange. And that is how we're going to approach this as, as far as the education series. This education series is just going to start with basically orange peeling Bitcoiners. But guess what? We're going to bring in education of the parts of the cow. The rancher is now going to start educating the Bitcoin, how to utilize the cow, how to do regenerative agriculture it's going to be a dual on head-to-head -head symbiotic form of education that we bridge that gap with so everybody i talk to is well i don't have enough information to give to these ranchers to let them know how to start accepting bitcoin so this is what we're going to start off with and you and i will of course for the rest of the year be working on this so saying that let's go back we were, we were in kerrville and you said hey somebody told me about cooking meat on my manifold <laughs> so how did that evolve 
Yeah. So it actually, it started with, you know, meeting you and talking to you in Austin and you were talking about regenerative agriculture and how processed all of our food is. And I always had this instinct. I mean, it started with my mom telling me, you know, avoid chips and stuff. It's highly processed, but I kind of had bucketed like chips and candies and pop tarts. Those are highly processed, but like breads and stuff, that's not highly processed. And then after meeting you, I started to realize, no, pretty much everything that has a label on it is highly processed and severely nutritionally debased. So I had asked you, you know, how do you eat healthy? Because if you can't go to a restaurant and get healthy food, when you're on the road, how do you eat healthy? And you said, well, I bring a bunch of beef, I put it in the fridge at the hotel, and then I get a hot plate and a skillet and bring that with me and just cook in my hotel room. So thought, well, I could do that. It's kind of annoying to add that to all the stuff because I got a full bike already and stuff sure. in the back seat. So it'd be a lot to carry around. But I went to the the chef uh, that was at the Beef Initiative, Johnny, I think, right? Yeah. Johnny. And uh, from KNC Cattle. And I asked him, like, what cuts would be good for, like, a hot plate and a skillet because I'm traveling all over. And he said, man, you got a motorcycle. Just use the engine. You can cook on the engine. And he said, Google it. It's called manifold cooking. So I Googled it. And sure enough, there are cookbooks about how to do this with all these recipes. It's mostly like Dutch oven style recipes, but pretty much anything you wrap in foil and you leave it on an exhaust manifold of a car or a motorcycle for long enough and it'll cook well. It's kind of a low and slow cooking method with uneven temperatures. So I was like, all right, I'll try it. So I got a New York strip steak and bought this box that's like a little metal box that just bolts onto the side of one of the pipes coming out of one of the cylinders of the Harley. And I threw a New York strip in there and two hours later, it was okay. It's kind of like boiled almost, but it's a decent piece of meat. But it was the meat that I got in uh, in Tennessee at that meat market, right? I saw that sign JNL meat market and I thought, okay, I gotta stop here because this is for sure some local beef. You know, this is not a Walmart. So I pulled up in there and yeah, it's all local beef from one rancher from that area. And they gave me a flat iron steak, which is about, I think it was three quarters of an inch thick or so, which is a good thickness that the New York strip is like an inch. And I think it was just too thick for that sure. cooking method. That thing was one of the best steaks I have ever had. Cooked it for three hours in that little box on the way to Nashville. And when I cut through it, I was shocked like it's nice brown on the outside on the inside clear through perfect pink all the way through super tender it was a great cut of meat to begin with but you can cook on an engine and cook pretty well and there was a dog sitting next to me in the hotel fast asleep as soon as i opened the foil its eyes popped open and it just stared at me for the next 15 minutes as i ate that steak <laughs> you know, and I'd, I'd never done that as much as I've rode motorcycles and everything. I'd never done that. And you brought it up and I was fascinated. But I did remember we used to put, you know, our breakfast burritos, you know, we'd pop the hood and then we'd, mm -hmm. <laughs> we'd put them on the, the radiator for a while and foil. And it's, it's kind of the same concept. But now that you've experienced this and you're you're getting all this beef, can you eat and this is not this is a, this is a lifestyle thing right and it's not really pitching you know beef per se what it is it's pitching like really good integration back into filling right 
and you know you're on the road that's hard to do to ride a motorcycle every day it wears you out mentally emotionally and physically and so as you're doing your manifold cooking we'll have to, you'll have to do a cookbook we'll get with a gourmet caveman and we can do a cookbook of manifold cooking on a harley but i mean are you feeling cool i mean are you feeling good you're not eating you're not pulling over at the the convenience store which is the new supermarket basically you're getting the beef you're going to destination spots you're looking for the best beef that you can find of course you're on the road is it are you are you having a good time with it does it feel like a cool lifestyle are you going to do it in thailand i mean what's it what's it opening up for you yeah i mean it's nice one of my favorite things about it honestly is the fact that when i get to my destination i don't have to then think about all right let me drop my stuff down and go find somewhere to eat and go out there it's ready as soon as i get there look i can just sit down and eat which is really nice um i've only done it three times really so i'm not an expert in and i cooked three steaks in it yeah i need to try cooking some other things and and see how it goes but i, I also love the the fact that i'm using waste heat you know that mm -hmm. heat is going to get produced anyway but now i'm doing something useful with it just by getting creative and slapping something on there and it's not made to cook food but that air that hot air is going to waste otherwise so i just leave that box on there and anytime i and do come across a meat market or something, I will throw a piece of steak in there and cook it. The other kind of wrench in the, the, the whole cooking is it takes time, like especially for a piece of meat, depending on the thickness, but it takes a couple hours to cook it. So I got to make sure I'm, I'm on a good long stretch. Sure. And I'm picking it up at the right time. I passed a meat market and I was going like 80, so I, I didn't slow it down. <laughs> but I only had like 45 minutes left in the ride. And I just thought, well, I'm camping tonight. Like the meat's going to go bad. But if I, if I line things up right, like it did with that meat market on the way to Nashville, because I had three hours to go, it's like, boom, I'm doing this. Let's, let's yeah. go. One thing that I got from what you just said is it's intentional. It's not random. And whenever you can make your consumption, any type of consumption that you do, your consumption model all intentional and not random, then you get more direct and you get more focused in anything that you're doing is as far as audio content, video content and food consumption. If you can make something intentional and bring kind of like a cool new hobby, you know, as far as riding a motorcycle and cooking your beef at the same time, who the hell wouldn't do that? Right. I mean, it's intentional living that is, is kind of fun. And it makes the day, you know, even better because you can hit these spots and on the motorcycle, you know, like when, where you're going to pull over. You can look at your map and say, hey, this is three hours away. I'm pulling over here. This is my destination for in the next three hours. That's what I'm going for. Once you can break those moments in time up, I mean, you combine it together as a lifestyle. You're getting pure animal protein. You're taking a ride across the country. You're cooking your beef. There's things that are to be learned exactly what you, you just said. And until you live it, until you've done it, you don't understand it. But there's always an entry point of understanding. And that's what we're doing here right now. Um, as far as me going out there, what have you learned? Because I'm going to do something different. I'm, I'm creating a new lightning node through voltage, right? Because I want, I'm going to start educating the, the ranchers as well. You need to, you need to develop your own node. Let's, let's create, create a node. And so we'll bring in, you know, the lightning network. We're going to bring in that into the education model with me approaching how I'm going to do this. You know, I, I haven't asked for sponsors or anything, but I want to do kind of like what I'd, Adam Curry talks about is the value for value exchange. 
um, I feel accountability to to build on what you're doing right now. I feel accountable to do it just as good as you're doing it. The messaging, everything that you're bringing everybody to the space. And I want to have a, a basically a lightning node. I can accept, you know, basically value for value live streaming sats because I'm going to I'm going to develop as much content as I can on this trip and feed it to everybody so they can actually say, hey, there's an idea. I'm going to I'm going to grab a hold of this. I'm going to go look at the Appalachians. Maybe this is what I want to be. Maybe I want to go live in a holler. You know, maybe I want to go escape into the, you know, the Smoky Mountains. Maybe I want to go out to West Virginia. Hey, maybe listening to Sid in uh, in Slim today, I'm going to look at a freaking map and I'm going to I'm going to go and do some research on this. So you doing what you're doing, how are you going to make my trip even better than yours? How are you going to, you know, what can I do that you're seeing that I should do that I don't see yet? Yeah. So I, I met someone in a bar that gave me a a piece of call it alpha for this trip that has been really useful. Like my whole ride from, from, uh, Durham to Columbus was informed by this knew about this website before it's called Atlas Obscura, but I didn't know that there is a map function to that. And basically Atlas Obscura just had articles on the most random weird topics, like long articles about a snail shell that's 3 million years old that was found somewhere and tells us something about whatever, just very odd topics. Mm -hmm. But they also have this function where you can say, pick a state. So, I pick like West Virginia and they show you all the obscure, strange, interesting stuff you can see in that state. So I just went on that map and was looking around like, what are the the interesting things to see here? And that's how I found the Beckley Exhibition coal mine where they take you inside a coal mine and explain how coal mining works. You can see a, like what an old coal mining town used to look like in the 1800s, get a ton of history. That's how I found Mount Airy and Andy Griffith Museum and all the kitschy things around that and discovered that whole town. So that like for road trips, I think is super useful because you can find all these places that, you know, you're not going to read about, you you might find it on the tourism website. Some of these things like Mount Arius all about Mayberry and Andy Griffith show, but I didn't even know that it was there, that it was somewhere that I should have stopped before I, you know, went and pulled up that map of, of North Carolina. That's a, a really cool, Oh, I'm resort. all over, I'm all over it now. <laughs> you just yeah. you just put a light on in my head because I I'm not going on the you know I'm going to travel as less as I can on the interstates right always do yep. so I, I'm definitely hitting up that website so everybody else go look it up and start uh, actually tweet it out everybody that's listening to this look up the website it's it's called again uh, Atlas Obscura Atlas Obscura okay we'll see if we can get that up on the screen. Um, let's talk about something that you and I kind of touched on before. I've been thinking about it ever since I've been listening to some of the same music that I listened to whenever I was in Thailand, one of the times I went there and you and I discussed about, Hey, maybe we should kind of do the beef initiative and the orange pilling and everything that we're doing here in the States. Why don't I come maybe in the beginning of 2023, let's go ride a motorcycle across Thailand and let's do the same thing. Have you thought about more about that? Because I have. Yeah, absolutely. man. (laughs) Okay. Let's get into that. Let's have some fun here. Let's, let's paint some dreams. What are we going to do? Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to get some dirt bikes. We're going to get some beat up old bikes that are going to be painful to ride on, but it's going to force us to stop often. 
meet people, talk to people. We're going to link up with some, some locals for sure. So I, I mentioned this group to you and I mentioned yes. again, it's um, a group of guys that I met that live in a city north of Chiang Mai, like a, not a city, a village, like a small village. Uh, and they kind of call their brand Dek Doi, which means children of the mountains. And it's kind of in Thai is a derogatory term for like hillbilly children kind of. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it describes the kids that live in these hill tribes, which modern Thai society a lot of times looks at as like backward people that live in the woods and, you know, live off the land and whatnot. Um, but the guys who run this, this uh, kind of hospitality brand is D-E-K-D-O-I. They, uh, they've kind of realized that these people have very traditional ways of life that uh, have a lot of things we can really appreciate in the modern world, like community. They have extremely tight communities. They're, the children are raised by the, the whole town, the whole village. They, you know, when you talk to them, you get the sense that they've transcended to a higher level of, of lower stress and more appreciation of the life that they live in, even though they have much less in terms of material possessions as we do. And these guys that run the brand, they, they kind of have straddled both of these, these worlds. So like the main guy that started it, Will, he's half Thai, half British. He grew up all around the world going to international schools. And then he came back to live with his mom in this village. And he always talks about integrating, and you were mentioning this earlier, integrating what was valuable about the past. Like these hill tribes are living the same way they've lived for literally thousands of years taking some of those lessons and integrating them into the modern world and not going back to living like we did a thousand years ago, but learning what can we take from that and integrate today. And to your, you know, I've heard this in several podcasts, you say this new international lifestyle, that's mm -hmm. kind of what they're out to create. A lot of people that stay in their Airbnbs are people like me that came from a Western country, work remotely, work with the internet, make all their money off these technologies that you know have only really been around in this form for five, 10 years, but kind of are grading at the way that the modern world treats people, treats communities, and are looking for a, a different lifestyle. So I think we definitely have to link up with them. They're yes. going to help us kind of unlock a new side of Thailand, and they're going to get it immediately. And I've been orange pilling them a little bit, trying to talk to them about how Bitcoin bolsters this type of mentality like this is what bitcoin it allows these hill tribes to continue to live the way that they've lived it allows people to live independently from a central authority and really hold that sovereignty strong without getting overrun by the thai state or burma state or whatever because these people kind of live there's these tribes are all over the place especially in the foothills of northern thailand because it's mm -hmm. very difficult to reach them and in, in many cases so the Thai government, not just, you know, the Thai government today, but the Thai kingdom that's been around for 1200, 1300 years in its current form has always had difficulty assimilating these people because they live so remotely. So they've kind of had these, these isolated cultures all over these places. And they don't like, I, I went and stayed at a, stayed with a hill tribe kind of in Western Thailand between Thailand and, and Myanmar. 
Mm-hmm. And I asked them like, well, are you Thai or Burmese? And they're like, no, we're, we're Mun. We're from the Mun Hill tribe. So they don't even identify with that, that nation. And I asked, you know, where, where's the Mun Hill tribe come from? And they said, well, we used to have our own land and our own kingdom, but the Burmese, we had a war with the Burmese and we lost. So we lost our land. And I asked him when that happened. I thought this was like a World War II, 1940s, 50s, 60s kind of era. He said 600 years ago, they <laughs> lost the war with Burma and they still have their cultural identity. The kids at their school learn Mun, Thai and English. And they speak English better than a lot of the Thai people that I meet. I mean, they're highly educated. A lot of them go work in high tech jobs in Bangkok or other Asian cities, but they come back to the tribe and they visit their family and a lot of them move back to the tribe because that's where their home is that's the lifestyle that they want to live but they're kind of working on that integration how do we preserve the the ways of the past that were really valuable that we've somehow forgotten in over time how do we integrate that with everything that we now have today so i, I really want to explore some of those cultures with you and ride to some of those places yeah, I mean, what a great discovery, you know, and that's what I always tell her is it's right over our shoulder here. It's it's a great discovery that is free. It, it takes a little time and it, it takes a little appreciation of where you came from. And, you know, to unlock that that awareness and basically that portal of understanding that this is possible for every individual. And, you know, just by you, you and I meeting, then there's a path here that I think it's going to be, you know, extremely beneficial for just my family, my son, uh, you know, everybody that is associated with me is going to be able to learn from this trip that we're going to orchestrate because now there's accountability because we're doing this. And so I'm not for sure exactly, but you know, we can, uh, we can, we can kind of create a, uh, a fun little, uh, to do list with this. The first to do list is you brought up dirt bikes. And so a lot of people don't understand, you know, motorcycles, they haven't ridden them. You know, are we thought, are we talking, are we going to go, go big with Enduros or we're going to go a little bit smaller? What, what were you thinking, you know, that you've had your best experiences over in Thailand and let's, let's talk about how we're going to customize these things out. So the philosophy I have about bikes and in Thailand, at least, and I think for, for motorcycles is different than cars. Like you very much need a motorcycle that fits the place that you're in. Right. That's why I'm riding a 900 pound Harley here. Cause you need that. If you're going to hit the interstate, you cannot do that on a dirt bike. You will get run down by a semi truck. So you need something big and heavy and loud that people can see. And that can comfortably carry you at 80 miles an hour. But in Thailand, the speeds are much slower. The roads are, they're often either brand new, freshly paved and perfect or completely pockmarked and barely even a road anymore. Like a lot of times it's just dirt and gravel and whatnot. So you need something with knobbly tires. And often you've, you know, you find these little paths on the side of the road. And if you're going to take them, you need a bike that can handle it. And size, I've slowly started to appreciate this. At first I thought I wanted, you know, a a GS 1250, like a big BMW, huge, off-road bike because I see these people on Instagram like popping wheelies with it and doing off-road stuff. But I've learned that takes an an incredible amount of skill because that's a very heavy bike. And I have over there a a CRF rally that weighs, I don't know, maybe 250 or 300 pounds. And it's still 
too heavy for off-roading in, in Thailand. I mean, plenty of people ride them, but for me, I have no real experience off-road and it just feels very tall, very heavy. The deck doy guys, I think, have figured it out because off-road, you don't want something fancy. You don't want something nice because you're going to break everything on it all the time. So mm-hmm. you're better off getting the cheapest thing. A lot of times you get stuck in a place where the bike won't even get out. We we did a ride once from from Shengdao, the, the village that they live in, to Arunotai on the border with Myanmar. It's about a 45-minute ride on the road, but these guys decided, let's try this new back road that we've never tried before. This thing was basically a buffalo trail through the mud, and it took us about five or six hours to get through it. And it wasn't a, a motorcycle ride. It was a hike because we were hiking next to the bikes, trying to get them through the mud. If I had done that with my bike, I would have just left it there and torched it. There's no way <laughs> it would have made it. And my bike is built you know, for off-roading. It's a dirt bike. So what these guys do is they'll buy like an old, uh, oh, I can't remember the, the exact model name, but uh, a Nova, a Honda Nova, which uh-huh. used to be you know, the most common. A lot of them are two-stroke bikes. They're really cheap to fix they're really simple and they're just the common man's bike that you know people ride around on it to go through their farm or whatnot it's it's an every person bike and they'll buy these like 20 year old models that are covered in rust and beat up and restore them so they'll put big shocks on them they'll put knobbly tires hand guards they'll make it into a a dirt bike basically but a very small very light dirt bike so yeah. you can put your feet on the ground when you need to. You can straddle it and waddle through tough terrain. And it will, you know, you can beat the living crap out of it and it will still run. And then if you do blow something up, it's like 30 bucks to fix it. I mean, yeah. one of my friends, his, he bought one of these bikes and he was really frustrated with it because every time he went out, it would blow up. He would break the, like the cylinder literally blew in half once, or not the cylinder, the piston blew in half took it to the mechanic, the repair was a thousand baht, it's $30 to replace the piston of the engine. Wow. It's like on my Harley, I don't even want to imagine how expensive that would be. But you're going to break down, you're going to drop it, you're going to mess things up, but it's easy and cheap and any mechanic can fix a Nova in the middle of nowhere. So that's really the bike that you want. Of course, it's not comfortable. You're not going to be riding in the saddle for three hours and get off and feel fresh. You're, you're going to want to take a break every half hour or hour. But the great thing about Thailand is it's, it is sparsely populated, like in northern Thailand, but there are people everywhere in little pockets. So mm-hmm. anywhere you break down, you're not that far from someone who can help you out. Anywhere you stop, every 30 minutes, you're going to come across a little group of homes that are going to be selling something, sell some food or a drink, and you can stop and chat and eat. So it's really easy to take it slow and kind of enjoy yourself. So that's that's the kind of bike we got to get. We got to get real old, beat up bikes because it's just the perfect beast for for that terrain. You can go anywhere with it.
Yeah, and this is you're so right because I I went from all the way to southern Thailand from Trang uh, Trang all the way up to Chiang Mai, and you're right. It's these little little jaunts, and sometimes you I was renting everywhere I went from village to village. You can rent, you know, motorcycles most of the places, especially if it's tourism. You can go ahead and get a bike and get your little hundred CCs, or you can go all the way up and get your Harley. So you know, I never got a Harley in Thailand. They just don't mix to me. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> you're right, but uh, you. This is going to be fun because what I, you know what will happen? Flying to Bangkok and then we'll go up to Chiang Mai. And then we'll have a motorcycle building session, plan the trip and everything, and do it all there. And how much fun is that going to be to be able to do that? And and really kind of I want to do a full on you know travel log on this one. We're going to blow it up in Thailand, and this will be fun. We're gonna we're gonna produce this one, and uh, we're gonna make something out of it, and we're gonna have a lot to reflect back on because you know you're you're going to accomplish what you're accomplishing this year in 2022 i'm going to accomplish what i'm going to accomplish in 2022 um and so i look forward to this trip because uh, it's it's going to happen and you know we can get you know anybody if they want to you know kind of be a part of this uh suggestions let's Let's start creating a, a dialogue. Let's start creating a conversation around this. And as we create this conversation of Sid and I going to Thailand, he's already going to be back home. I might not come back. No, I'll come back. I have to. I have to run the beef initiative. But anyways, it's going to be a nice break. But, you know, contribute here. We, we, what we do is we're, we're providing people give us input. That way we give output and we create this vibration of communication. Let's bring in the Bitcoin. Let's bring in decentralization. Let's bring in these these communities that we're building. Let's everybody know. Let's have fun. Let's bring some pop culture into the Bitcoin space to where everybody's kind of yearning to get off their asses, to get up and to go do something, especially this summer. In this summer, you know, I really want to see you in Colorado in July, and I know you're going to do everything that you can. Um, with that, you know, you and I are going to start networking. You're going to look over your shoulder and you say, hey, Slim, go ahead and basically contact these guys for everybody in the Bitcoin community from Charlotte to to Chattanooga, you know, to Nashville, of course, got that. Anybody. I met Justin uh, yesterday driving in from Texas, Justin from Alabama. People are already starting to reach out to me because of you. And here we go. We're building these nodes. This is node building time in the United States of America so we can go do some node building in Thailand and any any other place that we choose to do. And it's an intentional thing that we're going to do. So in July, July 22nd through 23rd to 24th, the Beef Initiative, the Colorado Beef Initiative Conference is a three-day conference. We have a speaker lineup that's really starting to take place. We have a Econo Alchemist. He's going to be there. We have Katie the Russian. We have Jessica Hodler. We have AK-47 Amy. We have the Meat Mafia guys. We have uh, Clemenza and Salazzo. We also have Arceras. uh, uh, He's coming down from Wyoming. We have everybody coming coming across the United States that are going to meet in July. You're going to go ride your motorcycle some more. You're hardly across the nation and 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to follow up on your coattails. I'm going to leave Texas. I'm going to head to Missouri. I'm going to go to Tennessee. And then after that, I want to go from basically Alabama all the way up to Michigan, anywhere that anybody will have me and that will help support a value for value node building trip so we can actually save the American rancher. I want you to participate. I want you to participate in what Sid is doing right now. It's something that's very important. It's something that you can get some ideas and you can learn off of. So saying that, Sid, we're going to have to run here in a minute. But what else would you like to bring to the Bitcoin community and people that are not in the Bitcoin community that um, that you're seeing that you feel very thankful for and that you want to kind of reflect on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the biggest thing is just go to your local meetup. And if there's no local meetup, just start one. Yes. And I think a, a lot of meetups that I've went that I've been to that were very small they're kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. Like we're, we're only a few people. We're just getting started. And I'm always like, look, this is how they all start. You know, you, you're not going to start with 50 people. And I don't know where that expectation comes from, but it feels like people, you know, it's not like legit unless you start, you know, this big thing like Austin bit devs or whatever, but that's not how this is going to happen, you know, and it's not, that's not natural. You know, it starts with a few people and then you bring a few more people in and kind of grows from there and becomes a bigger and bigger thing. And I've seen, the whole gamut, you know, I, I went to Chattanooga and it was three people and sometimes it's five or six and they're just getting started and it will grow. And then like Huntsville's kind of in the middle. I mean, they, they remember when it was a few people, but there were maybe 20, 25 people there and this feeling that, wow, this is really growing. Like people are telling their friends, Hey, you should come here and, uh, and learn about Bitcoin. Or if you're already into Bitcoin, meet other Bitcoiners and just connect locally. I think, this is where the real work gets done. And as good as like Twitter is, I mean, we got connected through Twitter. I, I learn a lot from Twitter and from the internet. That's not where the real work gets done and, and where things really move forward and where the real like joy in life is. I think it, you know, I'm not sitting on Twitter like, wow, I'm having such a good time. But when I go to a meetup and meet people in person and sit down and talk to them, whether it's someone who, like last night, there was a, a father and daughter that came like, we don't really know anything about Bitcoin, but I told him like, you got to eat anyway. So come to dinner and may as well like pick up a little bit. And, and they were mostly just listening, but hopefully they learned a lot and just picked up from the chatter. So I think like start a meetup, bring people in, just show people that you know, this isn't some internet Ponzi scheme thing like they hear on NBC. This is a real movement of people and you know, try to educate people on that. I think 2017 was kind of a disservice to the, the space because it sort of let everyone know about Bitcoin, but then it loaded people with these false ideas. And I think every bull market does that, especially a lot of people come in at the top when it's really hyped and then they get burned and they're like, yeah, it's a Ponzi scheme. I got burned by it. And they kind of brush it off. And it's a shame because there's, there's so many other routes and ways into Bitcoin and I think this is, and you're kind of attacking this problem directly. It's part of the problem with Bitcoin content today is we always start with Bitcoin. You know, it's mm -hmm. always a, it's a show about Bitcoin. It's an article with Bitcoin in the title. And that's fine. And, and I've learned a ton from those articles. But a lot of times, if I try to send that to a friend, they just ignore it because they're sure. like, he's just going off about, you know, his Ponzi scheme thing again. And you starting with the cattle rancher and really the, the idea I think is start with what is that person interested in? 
I think one of the best ways to start with is like, where has centralization harmed this person? Mm-hmm. Where do they see centralization breaking and destroying a system or destroying a community or whatever? For, for cattle ranchers, they know that very viscerally because they're part of this captured food system. So they understand that food system. Now, how can you draw an analogy between that and money? Because I think everyone knows that money is very important, but they just, it's too obtuse. So if you start by Bitcoin or, or fiat, even if, you know, they're, if they're interested in fiat money or they're interested in economics or whatever, then, then you can kind of go that route. But a lot of people aren't. And so they're going to ignore it. If you're just talking about Bitcoin or, or some obtuse economics concept, unless they're seeking that out. So you got to start on their terms where, are they coming from and educate them from that route? And then they're they're going to come into Bitcoin a lot more friendly. And I think the best way to do that is sitting down with someone. You don't really do that by sending people articles or sitting on Twitter. You do that by people coming into a meetup, shaking their hand, learning about their life, building some trust, building a bridge, and then understanding them as a person before you see, okay, how can this person potentially benefit from from Bitcoin. And that happens at meetups, you know, so start them, join them. And hopefully I'll see you at your local meetup. Yeah. I mean, you know, after the conference, you and I had a meetup, you know, in Kerrville, we talked and we strategized and we shared a lot of valuable stuff from that conversation that I remember. Uh, last night we had a, uh, you know, bit devs in Austin, uh, but prior to bit devs, there was over, I think between 20 and 30 people went down to three forks steakhouse in Austin. Michael with Oshi has orange pilled three forks steakhouse. They are now accepting Bitcoin for beef. And so this is happening and it's happening and people are showing up in person. You know, Michael with Oshi, I mean, he goes and he walks the street of any city that he's in and he's orange pilling with uh, something that he has innovated into. And it's called the Oshi app. Well, he, you know, contacted me early on. Him and uh, JP, JP is a good friend of mine. And, you know, they they contacted me with the Beef Initiative. Well, guess what? You know, we're innovating basically Beef Initiative and the OSHA app together. And it's going to be a solution that we've been working on for several months now. And it happened because we reached out to the other and we had these small meetups. This is where the true innovation happens. It's these small little conversations with two or three people that expands out and then people want to come along. So take the responsibility, find what is the most important thing into your life and how you can adopt it it into Bitcoin and Bitcoin into it and start innovating in that direction. That's what I did with beef and I'm going to do it. And for the rest of my life, this is what I'm going to do is I'm going to innovate Bitcoin into beef and beef into Bitcoin. You know, right now we are decentralized market access to pure animal protein and we're selling beef every day where it's pumping out and everybody across the nation, especially Bitcoin. Bitcoiners are starting to use this decentralized market access to food. And that comes from innovation of us just meeting up. So I appreciate you so much, um, Sid. This is, uh, this is something I've been looking forward to. We haven't really even covered half of it. I'm going to give you another month. And then whenever I'm on the road, today's like late May, whatever today is. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. But what we're going to do is you're going to keep on riding. You're going to keep on rambling. 
And then uh, we're going to come back in a month and we're going to do this and we're going to see where we are and we're going to see where you are, what you've learned, what you've accomplished. And that way I'll be uh, I'll be deep into my road trip as well. It'll be getting one month out of uh, Colorado and uh, we'll 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 see how many uh, new people we've met, new experiences and see what kind of feedback that we can start generating for the Bitcoin community to really start uh, orange pilling a nation. And that's what we're going to start doing in 2022. So 2023 can be a powerful year for us. So Sid, in closing, anything else you'd like to say today? Um, I guess if you want to follow the tour, I'm Captain Sid H, S-I-D-D-H on Twitter. So that you can find everything about the tour there. Swan's going to be putting out episodes about it uh, starting over the summer and going into the fall. So yeah, that's how you can follow the tour. Uh, like I said earlier, I'll, I'll hammer it again. I'll keep hammering it. Start a meetup. Go to your local meetup. Do this this thing in person because that's where the real work gets done. That's where the real growth happens. It's you know it's, as useful as the internet is, shaking people's hands, looking them in the eyes, understanding where they come from. That is beyond Bitcoin. You know that's just like 101 living a good life. So go out and do it. Go out and do that work. On following uh, following Sid's order, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the road the 1st of June, and I'm going to do exactly as he's advised. I'm going to take some accountability. I uh, don't know how I'm going to fund it. I'm not a rich man. What I am is somebody that's in the Bitcoin space that is basically on a mission, and I'm doing it with everybody that's in the Bitcoin space. Everybody has been so fantastic of working with KNC Cattle, Cole, Everybody's been working with Justin at Tier Bloom up in the Panhandle. Everybody's been working with Jason Rick of Rick Ranches. We've got tons more of uh, uh, producers that are coming into the Beef Initiative platform. If you know a producer, get on beefinitiative.com. Go to the producer section. Put your producer into the Beef Initiative platform. This is helping them. What they're doing every rancher animal producer that i've been speaking with personally has told me that they're basically full for the year their sales have increased they're meeting new people people are coming out and shaking their hands this is working and we need to take advantage of of what we've got going as far as this vibration um sid uh easy rider ramble on be safe um you know be be become more and so we can uh we can actually uh leverage this into thailand sometime in january february 2023 i'll be talking to you soon be thanks cool. slim always right, a man. pleasure to hang out you too man take care here at the beef initiative we encourage all you ranchers out there to tell us who and where you are so we can let everybody know they're looking for you. This time I'm shouting out KNC Cattle out of Austin, Texas. KNCCattle.com. Cole, he's a fourth generational Texas rancher. He knows what he's doing.